The portion of God's Word that we're going to focus on this evening comes from John chapter 4. A little context, there's, there's nine verses that come before where we begin here. Jesus starts down in Judea in the southern part of Israel near Jerusalem, and he's traveling up toward Galilee. Now, generally speaking, people would travel around Samaria. Samaria was this region of foreigners directly in between Galilee and, and Judea. And Jesus and his companions could have easily gone around it like all the other Jewish people did, but instead they go right through it. And John tells us Jesus had to go through it. And the reason he had to go through it was because he just had to talk to this lady, this Samaritan woman, in a, a little town called Sychar. Take a listen to a part of their conversation as it's recorded in John chapter 4. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I was a little surprised when I talked to the people out in Shawano this afternoon at the beginning of the sermon. I, I said, quick show of hands, who's ever lived in a house with no running water? And I had two hands go up. Anybody in here? Anybody ever live in a house with no running water? Two more hands. That's four for today. <laughs> I don't think it's a big surprise. We, we take running water for granted. It is really hard for you and me to wrap our minds around what life would have been like if, if you didn't have the option of just turning a knob or pulling a handle. Now they even got those ones you can just like wave your hand by it and the water comes out. We live in a part of the world where water's quite prevalent. There's rivers and lakes and streams and big water like we have over here. Even if we didn't have running water, which again is kind of hard to imagine, water still wouldn't be too far away. But if you've traveled at all or if any of you have ever lived out west, you know that there are a lot of places in this country where water's a little harder to come by. Where we lived before we came here, we lived at 7,220 feet above sea level in high desert. There was no water anywhere. It all ran away from where we lived. But there was water underground, in an aquifer, way down, under lots of pressure, and wells were expensive to dig, and you had to go way down. And when you dug that well, you didn't have to pump it out. It came flying out. You had to contain it. You had to control it. But it was hard to find good water. 
They had all sorts of rules out there to make sure that that little bit of water that they had didn't get contaminated. Because if it did, you couldn't live there. This lady that Jesus is talking with, she had no concept of what you and I call running water. But she did have a good source of water, Jacob's well. It was a source of water that had served the people living in that area for almost 2,000 years. Jacob lived just a little under 2,000 years before Jesus, 1,800 or so years before Jesus. And he bought this little piece of land and he dug a well. And it's interesting because there's a lot of natural springs in this area, but not on the land that Jacob bought. And so he could have gone and gotten water elsewhere, but he wanted to have water for himself on his land without having to go to anybody else. And so he dug this well. And it was deep, and you needed a bucket to go down and get the water. But it was a reliable source. Every time that she went there every single day to get water, there was water there. It was good. It was drinkable, it was clean, and it had been so for a long, long time. Now, I didn't talk details, but if you follow along, I had mentioned that Jesus had been traveling from Jerusalem up to Galilee, and by estimates, probably 20 or more miles by foot when he gets to this town. So he's thirsty, and he asks her for a drink. And that's where our conversation takes place. She's a little concerned that he asks her for a drink because he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan and Jews and Samaritans, they did not get along. A Jewish man would never speak to a a Samaritan woman, but here Jesus is. And she's concerned about the relationship and Jesus doesn't care at all about that. And that's where this dialogue takes place. Listen to it again. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, living water is opposed to dead water. So dead water would be like stagnant water, water that's just sitting in a cistern. That could go bad. It could get stuff growing in it, algae, bacteria. Living water was moving water, like water coming up out of a spring, constantly pushing out the old water, new clean water coming in. So when she hears Jesus talk about living water, he thinks that, she thinks that he is offering her a better source of water than Jacob's well. Water that's coming up to the surface, water that's coming to you rather than you having to go down to the water. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the water's deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and his herds. She's really simply just saying, like, this has been serving us well for a really long time. I don't really understand what you're offering to me. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know what she says next? Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She says, this sounds nice. 
This is going to save me a lot of energy. If I'm not going to get thirsty when I drink his water, I don't have to keep coming here every single day for water once again. And then one of the more famous dialogues in all of scripture takes place. Jesus says, go get your husband and have him come back. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And that is connected to the water in the well. Because just as the water in the well did not satisfy her thirst, she had to keep coming back day after day after day. The men in her life were not satisfying her either. And so she went from one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And now she was on to the next. And there's a lesson for us there. The things in this world, the relationships we have in this world, the places that we enjoy being the most in this world, they don't satisfy. Even the best ones don't. The best relationships, the best marriages, the best places, the destinations that you love to to go and visit, the things that you enjoy the most. If I just add this one more thing to my life, then lies. Won't make a difference. It won't satisfy you the way you crave. Because every single one of us, deep down inside, craves eternity. We crave relationships that don't end with death. We crave cars that don't break. We crave vacations that don't get canceled because we got sick or because the flight got canceled. Deep down, we want things that don't break. We want things that don't end. We want things that satisfy us perfectly, eternally. And Jesus is saying here, nothing on this earth will do that for you. Nothing. And yet time after time, Christmas after Christmas, we think something will. If we can just get the right group of people together, Christmas will be worth celebrating. If I just get that one thing that I've really been craving, I've really been wanting, then Christmas will be a good one. If I get to go to that one place that I really wanted to go to, then Christmas will be worth it. But if I don't get to go there, if I don't get to be with them, if I don't get it, then it won't be good. It's really foolish for us to ever think that anything, anyone, any place could truly satisfy us. You'd think we'd learn eventually. You'd think we'd stop trying to find satisfaction in people, places, things, but we don't. We keep going back to them time and time again. And to this woman who's just like us, let's not put her below us. Let's not act as though she's lesser than us. She's just like us. To her, to you, to me, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. 
Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, God comes to us in his word and he is honest about what we're really like. He helps us to better understand our foolishness in so many different ways. He helps us to better understand how we chase after the wrong kind of satisfaction day after day after day. But once we come to grips with who we are and how desperately we need his help, then he shows us Jesus. He shows us his own dear son who came into this world to provide us with satisfaction that lasts. And the only way that was possible was for him to get rid of the filth to get rid of the sin that keeps us out of God's presence. And that's exactly what he did. On the cross, he shed his blood to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, to get rid of every single impurity, to purify us so that we could be with God forever. And when he comes to us in his word and he gets our minds straight, he gets us thinking about the true source of satisfaction, Jesus, Jesus, and only Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and makes his place in our heart. And he's always there, always satisfying us with the forgiveness of sins that we desperately crave, welling up like a spring inside of us, day after day. There will be times when you will be thirsting for righteousness. You'll be thirsting for forgiveness and you'll be struggling and you'll feel parched. But that Holy Spirit is inside of you, pointing you back to the truths of God's word, bringing you back into contact with God's word time and time again. A spring of water welling up all the way to eternity. This Christmas, when you find yourself seeking satisfaction, remember the only source of lasting satisfaction. Remember Jesus. But realize that when you find your true satisfaction in Jesus, the things in this world that God has given you are far more satisfying. You're no longer thinking about what you don't have, but what you have. You're no longer thinking about who you're not with, but you're thanking God for who you are with. You're no longer wishing you were somewhere else. You're thankful to be right where you are, a child of God, knowing that you have a Savior who provides thirst-quenching satisfaction unlike anything in this world. You find yourself there because you're no longer looking for satisfaction in the wrong places. You have it in the one true source, the spring of joy. Let's pray. O spring of joy, rain down upon our spirits. Our thirsty hearts are yearning for your word. Come, make us whole. Be comfort to our hearts. Amen.